0: Every single day you wake up, you have the opportunity to start over, to make a difference, to right a wrong, to shift your life into a better direction. Thankfully, we have a God that gives us that second chance every day. We hope this show will bring you information and stories that will inspire you to be the best you can be. This is Every Day is a Second Chance, presented by Haman Hogue. Thank you for joining us and God bless. Welcome back everybody to another episode of every day is a second chance. For those of y'all that have watched prior episodes know that this is a show about hope. This is a show about knowing that we have a God of second chances and that every single day that we're alive here on earth, every single day that we wake up, we have the opportunity to make a difference to change our direction if we need to, to right or wrong if we need to, to change our occupation and go in a different direction. But every day we get up, we have an opportunity to to, to start over. And, and I think with our society the way it is, and with social media the way it is, and everything that we've been bombarded with, I think we get into these ruts of going 150 miles an hour, and our life becomes just, a, a, a fog that we're in a routine going over and over and over. And I know so many people that get into those routines so much that they're miserable. They're, they're miserable in their life and they don't think that they can change things. And this show is to tell you different because I've been through it and I'm going to have guests on my show that have been through it that, that sometimes tell you that, that God sometimes interjects in our life and he makes us. Do a second chance and that's what he did to me for those of y'all that might not have seen this show before The reason I'm doing this show is because in 2007. I almost died. I Had a disease called ulcerative colitis. I had been fighting it for five years, but ignoring it uh, Was treating it like you're supposed to but I was working in 60 to 80 hours a week I was going 150 miles an hour and I was working in high real high-stress litigation. I was a trial attorney And my disease got worse and worse and worse. And I just kept going until one day the doctor said we either remove your colon or you're going to have colon cancer. I was only 42 years of age. I was an arrogant, a matter of fact, trial lawyer. And my only question was, how long am I going to be off work? Because I was going to keep going and no operation or any inconvenience was going to get in my way. Well, if you want to make God laugh, Tell him your plans because the doctors messed up my operation. My intestines ruptured. I was in critical condition for 10 days. I was so sick that medically I should not have lived. I was in the hospital 37 days the first time. I was out of work for over eight months. I ended up having to have eight, uh, six surgeries. The last two, they shipped me to Cleveland, Ohio, to the Cleveland Clinic to put me back together and save my life. But I I tell you that because during that time period, God put it upon my heart that I needed to write a book called Every Day is a Second Chance. And the reason was because he kicked me off my feet and made me realize a lot about my life. But one thing he made me realize is that I had gone to law school for all the wrong reasons. I'd gone to law school to make money. And for 10 years I did. And eight months later, I was broke again. I had lived my life the way I wanted to. I was, I'm a daredevil. I'm a very type A. I rodeoed, I rode bareback bronc for years. I played rugby in college, I was invincible. And now all of a sudden I can't walk and I have to learn how to walk again with a walker. And I learned that everything of this world can be taken away from us in a split second. But we take it for granted and we just keep trudging through life. But this show is to tell you that every day is a second chance you can make a difference if you want to. Today, I have a really great special guest, Lawana Stasiak, Stasiak. I'm sorry, (laughs) I apologize for that. I knew I was gonna butcher (laughs) it the minute we started. Um, Lawana and I met at a presentation that I did on estate planning. And when I talk about estate planning, I talk about my experience because The reason I'm an estate planning attorney now is because of what I went through and because of the fact that when I went through what I did, I didn't have any estate planning documents in place. And I caused major problems to my family because I didn't. So when I give my presentations, I tell my story a little bit. And Lawana came up to me afterwards and said, I think our lives mirror each other. And so I wanted her to come on the show today and share with you her second chance. And I would say Second Chance Experience, but I think it's multiple Second Chance Experiences. I'm going to let her just kind of tell her story. Um, LaWanna is a marketing director for a place called Teresa's House. I'll let you tell about Teresa's House and what you do. Uh, We were talking before the show, but it sounds to me like part of her life, uh, Second Chance, was to back off and slow down, too, because... She was telling me that she used to be a director and kind of be the boss. And uh, at some point, you realize that's not as all it's cracked up to be. And being the boss (laughs) is kind of a a, can can drain you, and can cause you to you know have major issues. Uh, You hear story after story of people, like coaches, uh, college football coaches, who get burned out and have nervous breakdowns. Being in charge is tough, and, and and sometimes it it takes over your life, but. Luana, thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time to be with us. And I'm just going to kind of introduce you and say, tell us, tell tell me, tell tell our viewers the amazing story you told me.
1: Well, thank you for having me here. And I do always believe that God, the people you meet were meant to be and the places that you are. And so um, when I heard you at the meeting, first I thought, I was not a member of this meeting. They invited me, so it was my first meeting, and I'm sitting there. And, of course, we're paying attention, but as you started talking I, it – it just in my heart, I was going. This is this is me. This is this was my age. These are things that I had. So so I had to come talk to you because it, it's been a while, but it's it's still all those experiences. So when I was forty two, same as you, cool. um, then I had a brain tumor. Oh and God. this was something that um, probably had my whole life. The doctor told me afterwards, but the six months prior to, I knew something was wrong. But again, I had a job that I worked in the hotel business. It's a very difficult, 365, 24-hour business. It's, it's night and day and going all the time. So it's high stress. You don't know hours of when you're working. And, um, and it was intense. And I was a regional... Um, you know, every, I had been a general manager or regional VP working up, um, and my daughter at that time was 12. And, um, just before this, my husband and I decided to divorce. Mm. And so all this happened at the same time. And I, um, would turn my head and I could feel something popping behind my head. So I knew something was going on. But again, like you, I was not going to stop working. It wasn't going to stop me. I I was driven. I was going to be the female that had it all, the career, the husband, the child, everything. And I have always been so responsible all my life. In different situations, I've been the one to take care of everything. I'm the oldest child. Um, so that responsibility just is driven in you too as well. Mm -hmm. So the one morning I got up and I thought I had a seizure. I knew something was wrong. And I had, I I thought I had a stroke, excuse me, but I'd had a seizure. So I drove myself to the doctor. I didn't ask someone to help me. And I have the most wonderful doctor here in Dallas I've had since the day I got here. And she actually came out herself and looked at me and said, come with me. We're going to get some x-rays and walked with me to get them and then when it came in, I am working, I'm working on my Blackberry then, I even remember, and um, they walk in with this and they come in to tell me I have a tumor and I really literally looked at them and said, no, I don't. And they were like, yes, you do. And so little bit of denial there and knocked the wind out of me. So within two weeks I had surgery because it was sitting on my optic nerve and my eardrum um, so it had to come out quickly. Um, my parents were here. My daughter is 12, as I said, um, waiting in the lobby. Um, before that, I had to, through that week, make a will. So I wanted to make sure my ch- we were getting a divorce, make sure my child, we decided everything of what to do. And, and it's the feeling of not knowing whether you're going to be okay when you go in, Right. in that room it's um, I'm sorry I'll start crying um, to say goodbye was one of the hardest things going down that hallway so and, um, and,
0: and, and I know and <laughs> I, mean, we, I, 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 I dance around that a lot of times mm-hmm. because you know I I had I had a very arrogant attitude at that point in my life and I was a very you know centered in that world of being a trial lawyer but I remember just like what you said when when I went in for that first surgery I knew everything was gonna be fine because, of mm-hmm, course,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm in control. Even though I'm not <laughs> in control, but because of my daughters, mm-hmm. that was the thinking that what happens mm-hmm. to them if something happens to me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's that's a that's a horrible, scary mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. thing to go through. It's that's exactly
1: um, right. And I, like you, I knew I'd be fine. I knew I would be fine. I I felt. I, anything I've, I've, my life, I've never been afraid to die. I honestly can feel, I've always mm. felt that way, but I just knew I wasn't going to that time. And then I'm a type A control. Yes. I'm going to get this back thing. It was her. And, uh, then when I woke up, it, here i am laying down and the first thing i see is this little face over the top of me because she was staring down at me and so that was a blessing to know but i couldn't see i saw double all these things that were after surgery but she was there so um in knowing that i had to take care of her i still came through that i was going to be okay i i I did heal, but at the same time, I was pushing myself that I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this, mm-hmm. and um, so I, I did. It took six months. It took a while, and I thought it would take longer. And bless the company that I worked for; they let me go through it and and do some things in working. They were a godsend. They sent my meals every week the whole time I was off. And always paid me, and they were, they were just a blessing. Um, so I, I got through that. Um and uh but it my marriage it, it was I I would say my marriage but then was working a lot too that cost that marriage. Mm-hmm. Um it would. But he moved back in the house, so he lived on one end, I lived on the other to take care of her. So not the best situation yeah. in the whole world. So so healing was was a little difficult, but I made it through. Uh the two of us made it through and, and my daughter and I. So um fast forward, still working. Still trying to be it all, be it all that, that I I thought I needed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and we come 15 years later. It actually is 15 years. And my daughter, the whole story, is a playwright in New York City. Oh. And in college, she uh, wrote a play, and it's called From A to Double D. And it's about a female that goes through her life and her bra sizes. And in the end, she has breast cancer. So it's it's oh, a wow. through life story. And so she wrote this play. Um, it was five years before that. Ten, and then since I had my brain, married, it was 10 years later that she wrote this play in college. So she um, did well, produced it at college, got to New York. She was starting her first rehearsal. And that's the day I found out I had breast cancer.
0: Oh, my God. So a, a,
1: the coincidence was just amazing to think it was that day. So... Um, you know through that process, um, she was with me through the whole thing and to look at a play, my doctor here she she came back, she wore my gown in the in the play. My surgeon she has exactly what my surgeon would say. and so it, it, that happened in that play. Um, at during, the, that, during <laughs> that
0: time did you did you ever go through why mes? Yes. You
1: know, yeah. I, yes. So they did you a time where you are
0: questioning God, going, God, you, you know, you, you allowed this to happen <laughs> to me 10 years <laughs> ago. Now, why, why me? And, and I, I asked that because I kn- I knew the answer, because we all do. We all do. Yes. We all, and I think some people feel guilty about it, yeah. um, but we all go through that. Why? Why? Why did this happen to me? Why are <laughs> you allowing this to happen to me? And, why are you allowing it to happen to me again? Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't—I haven't shared really a whole lot on this and mine, but the, you and I shared this. Mm-hmm. is Because 10 years after my situation, mm-hmm. I had to have emergency spine surgery because I had a ruptured disc that was pushing on my back nerve. And unlike, your, your, you, you got through yours, my life is always, whenever something like that happens, if there's a complication that can happen, it'll happen mm-hmm. to me. Um, because after my surgery, I, got, I had leakage, and they had to go in and stop the, the, the spinal cord leak, and it caused a spinal infection. And I went through that exact same thing, going, God, 10 years ago, you almost took my life, and you, yeah. you woke me up, and you kicked me off my feet. I get why you kicked me off my feet, because I needed it. I had a bad attitude. But why again? Mm -hmm. What am I? What have I done wrong now? Kind of those kind of things,
1: right? And that's probably the most alone I felt at that one. I really did. I felt, I, I felt so alone when I sat in that car, came out of that office. I, I just, I, I never felt totally alone, and I did. And then when I called her, not realizing all that happened, but then I can tell you where God, where I feel like God, why this happened. So. She came back. She went through the entire surgery. She Everything is done there out of my surgery in this play. And at the end, I remember she went into my surgeon and said, what do I say at the end? Because they always bring out the writer. And I remember her saying, you tell your own story, how you felt. You're the daughter. Right. So my daughter stands out there and tells everyone to get a mammogram. Male, female. She stands out there. So I look at it that way, that God intervened, that people... Need to listen to that. Right. I, I do feel that's what that happened. And, and I,
0: I yes. I'm so glad you say mm-hmm. that because I think so many things that happen in our life, we don't realize that it's an opportunity for us mm-hmm. to change other people's lives. Mm-hmm. And that's really one of the reasons I decided to do this podcast. Is I, you know, I don't know who's going to watch it. I don't know if anybody's going to watch it, but I, I hope that just if one person sees mm-hmm. what. One of the shows that we do, and it touches their life to be a better person, mm-hmm. to do something, to not feel sorry for themselves, to, to n- not feel guilty for thinking why me, mm-hmm. anything like that. And, and I think God does that to us a lot through our life. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm right now having to, to care for my 91-year-old mom, mm-hmm. who is in a nursing home, who thanks God forgot her because she's lost her eyesight, she's lost mm-hmm. all her abilities, she, her mind's sharp as a tack, and, and she doesn't understand why God has kept her around. And I think we all go through that at mm-hmm. some level, but God has a purpose. Mm-hmm. And I, I I go up to my mom's room, and I hear her talk to her roommate. And her roommate is Jewish, but I can, I can tell that she she's jewish by i think family Mm -hmm. she's really not real jewish Mm -hmm. because i asked her about one of the jewish holidays and she said i'm not really sure what that's about so but i hear her talking to them and i'm thinking maybe mom you're just here for that Mm -hmm. you're here to touch her life Mm -hmm. some way Mm -hmm. so that she gets to heaven Mm -hmm. that maybe she wouldn't have otherwise Mm -hmm. you're here to change somebody's life so that they get a Mm -hmm. mammogram Mm -hmm that they may not go through what you went through. That mm-hmm. That is such an important part of our lives that I think we overlook.
1: I do. I agree. I agree. Yeah.
0: And so after you get through this, she get, does the play. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: You have to ha- tell me about your experience with it. Did you have to have surgery? Did you?
1: Well, after that, I did surgery. Yes, I did. So we caught it in time. And, okay. and then I had radiation. Well, after radiation, I got sick. Oh, and I... It had no energy. It was not like me to, I could go to bed six or seven and get up at eight or nine in the morning and I just had no energy. And it took uh, about a year or more for anyone to figure out what it was. It, it, I went to every doctor trying to figure out what it was. And I have an autoimmune disease oh and they feel the radiation. is, you know, always there if you know a lot about you know, autoimmune diseases, it kicked it in overdrive. Right. So, um, so that is the point I really questioned God. When that happened, I was in my bedroom having a strong conversation. I I can say that. And, you know, that I had to, I didn't want to die at this point. That is what I said, that, Mm -hmm. that it, it scared me. That was the scare. I was scared. So we had a definite conversation that I said, this is not where I want to be in my life. This, my daughter's making it. I had had just married my husband now and it was great. And I was like, I, I need, I need this time. So, so it, it has been a struggle with the disease, but definitely have I slowed down as I told you. Mm-hmm. I had still, and at that point, right before that, I had joined the senior industry. I decided, I had went to look for my parents and decided this was a little bit like hotels. I just went to a different crowd and a little bit longer. So very much is like hotels, that's it. Yes. So, so it it's a little slower than that. And then I decided that I just didn't need to manage. I, I love to help people. That's where I felt I can. So I think in the sales and marketing end, you do listen to them. You're the first, to listen. Right. And, and so I did independent living because it was very much like hotels, and then came to um, assisted living and memory care. And I love this job. Um, my community's in McKinney, it's a premier property. It has five stars, and all of our reviews are from families. That makes the difference.
0: And, and so tell me how your, your life experiences. Mm-hmm and your second chances, how are you using them today okay. in, in your occupation, mm-hmm. in your life? Mm-hmm. Uh, how have you found that what, what you went through has changed the way you do things?
1: And very much, and I feel from having my brain tumor, having to come back, I can relate to someone with dementia. A little bit more you're losing your brain is dying you're losing some of those parts and it it's such a struggle and i can sit and when i tell my story i can tell they relax and they know i understand right. the ones like your mom that are completely coherent but their body's breaking down you do have to recognize those moments those mm-hmm. little moments that make a big difference right. and i do see it every day i walked in this morning and we have a pet rabbit And one of them is just holding that pet rabbit. And it's just a moment that Uh. she's just happy and, you know, something is loving there. And so I feel like I just from there recognize it. And I always say, you just made my day or, you know, this little rabbit, you're loving on him. And, and she goes, but I need him too. Right. And so I try to recognize that every day with seniors. So I'm so lucky and I feel like I'm in the place I should be. All these experiences have put me right where I need to be. Um, I do see 70 year old men that, that are coming in, primarily men that have been CEOs and and engineers and big jobs that they're having dementia starting in their 70s. so we know stress is a big part of life. Yeah. And so I do talk to younger people. I, I say I was so driven in the hotel business I didn't see my daughter's first step. the babysitter did. Don't do uh, that right Don't do that you know right. and so uh, cost me a marriage you know that's I feel I can go back and give people advice that I, I try to and not push it on them, but I'm there to some that I see that I can help just a little bit. That's awesome.
0: (laughs) So let's, we got a few more minutes Mm -hmm. before we wrap this up. Uh, I think I'm going to take the next few minutes to kind of educate our viewers on, because I think a lot of people may be watching and going, okay, I've heard of assisted living. (laughs) I've heard of independent living. I've heard of memory care. What really does it mean? And, and what are the differences? Okay. Yeah. Um, And I, I think you said you've worked in kind of all the areas, I, mm-hmm. and and from an elder law attorney, I, I I I kind of break it down into four categories, and you can tell me if I'm right here. There's independent living, mm-hmm. there's assisted living, there's skilled nursing, and then there's memory care, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and it's kind of a gradual mm-hmm. steps down mm-hmm. depending on if if um, health declines mm-hmm. or cognitive ability declines. Um, have you worked in all the areas and how do people navigate that? Especially we've got viewers and, and we've got more people in what I call the sandwich generation mm-hmm. than anybody else. They're like you and I, mm-hmm. that we're caring for kids at whatever age, um, typically, and then worse than ever, we got a lot of people caring for small kids mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they're also having to carry for care for elder adults. How do they navigate, what do I do to help mom and dad? Um, and where do they need to be?
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I, I try to, I, I'm an adult child. I'm the oldest of five. My parents live in Oklahoma, um, so I handle a lot from here. And my whole goal when I went in too was to help the adult child. Um, you know, ask, you, you can, you will hear a lot at church, you know, people talk about, can bring in people to talk about independent living and things like that. But, but I think you have to ask till you find that right person to ask about your parent. Um, you know, they're at this stage, independent living is as it says, it's independent, they're independent to be safe to feed themselves, dress themselves, you know, it's a social atmosphere, a lot like a hotel. That's what it is, it's very social. It's it's Mm -hmm. much
0: more, that really, Mm -hmm. um, so I had, my mom was an independent for a while, Mm -hmm. and I found that that was great for her, because my mom's not a social person, Mm -hmm. but it it gave her the opportunity to play bingo. It -hmm. gave her the opportunity to be around other people Mm -hmm. her age, Mm And but still be independent, still yes. be able to cook yes. her own meals and live in her mm-hmm. own apartment, mm-hmm. but be able to socialize. So it was kind of the best of both worlds in mm-hmm. the way I looked at it. Mm-hmm. And then from there, her health declined. Mm-hmm. And in my mom's situation, we skipped assisted living. When when does somebody know? Okay, we we're, we're not independent living is not safe anymore. Mm-hmm. Let's look at assisted living. And what is that?
1: So, so assisted living a lot is is when they do get forgetful to a point, but they can still dress themselves. They can still eat. They may need prompts, some to say, hey, it's time to brush your teeth. You know, it's the daily living. It's, it's the, we assist with the daily living things. Okay. So that's what that is. Um, and, and it's perfect too. It's still very social in that. And I do have engineers. Engineers are very quiet. They want to stay in their room. Uh, that's what they've done their whole lives, but they still like to hear people. <laughs> people. They'll, they'll open that door and there's still that social aspect of people being around and they're their same age. Do they so, cook their
0: own meals and stuff? No, we no. do their okay, meals. So, so the meals
1: are done for them. So you have mm-hmm. like a mm-hmm.
0: group area to have mm-hmm. meals and stuff like that. And we that.
1: encourage that they come all come together. You know, okay. it's more like a family style uh, dining and all be there together. But again, we've take it to their room if they want so okay. so it's still being you can come and go you you know with your family and assisted living um, so a little bit like a, pen, a independent just more assistance you do have that assistance
0: and, that, and that's what I like I, I like about that is because they still maintain some independence mm-hmm. yes whereas when you skip all the way to what my mom mm-hmm. did, you can go to skilled nursing. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I used to classify as nursing homes. Mm-hmm. What we used to call nursing homes and everybody had a negative connotation for them. Mm-hmm. Now, they're not the greatest. I don't think any of them are great, yeah. but they're they're necessary. Mm-hmm. They're not like they used to be. In the old days, right. they were really right. nasty. And, mm-hmm. and I remember... Even when I was doing litigation, I represented a nursing home, and I hated going over there because it smelled bad, and it just I felt so terrible for these people. It's not like that. My mom's is actually very, very nice, mm-hmm. but it's more like a hospital. Mm-hmm. And, and skilled nursing is when somebody really can't right. care for themselves. Right. Uh, quite often, they, uh, they're in diapers. They have mm-hmm. trouble going to the bathroom on their own, or if they can still go to the bathroom, they need help doing mm-hmm. it. They're bedridden a lot mm-hmm. or wheelchair bound um, and they need, as it says, skilled nurses, they mm-hmm. need medical professionals on site to mm-hmm. keep an eye on things. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we ha- we have memory care mm-hmm. and explain what really memory care is.
1: So memory care, if we have someone in assisted that they're no longer safe, they cannot remember what to do might be a flight risk. Um, mm-hmm things like that, behavioral issues, we, we would transition them to our memory care where Teresa's house is. We have three separate houses and assisted living is in one memory care is in one. And then we have one called advanced care. We, we are the only, uh, uh community at this point, we have nurses on full-time, mm-hmm. um, our founder, um, Co-owner is Teresa Whittington. There is a Teresa oh, okay. and Godwin Dixon. Teresa focuses on dementia. We are all trained in dementia by Teresa, and she's phenomenal. And my grandmother had Alzheimer's for 14 mm. years in the nursing home when I was younger, so I know exactly what you mean. And you know, had I known, you know, then what I know now would have been such a help. But but in memory care, with us, it's it's an order director that's there worked for Teresa 10 years. They are there to focus that those are in memory care with their dementia. It's, it's just amazing to watch the, the people, I call it my rowdy house because they're doing something all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, keeping them busy, keeping them. So when you get the memory care, yes. Minds
0: moving. Yes. I mean, even Mm -hmm. if certain areas of their mind aren't working and they're forgetful or whatever, you still want to keep the Mm -hmm. mind exactly kind of like any muscle you want to keep, keep doing stuff.
1: And, and we may play bingo. Uh, Sunday they bake. A cake and everybody was in there baking a cake wow. you know at some point and then at that point if if we can't feed ourselves or walk then our advanced care they move to that which is at where our nurses are, are in the office there we okay. can also do a parkinson's uh patient mm-hmm. and that's dear to my heart because it's their mind usually is is right for a very long time the body's, the body's shutting down right. so we can do that so um so that's that's and then so that's how we maneuver where ours is advanced care. It's not quite skilled nursing. That's so right. from there, right. you know, we we would do that from there. So we're a little we're unique out there in our community with all those nurses so that we can do that.
0: So thank you for telling us about Teresa's yes. house. Mm-hmm. Thank you for everything that you mm-hmm. do. I'm going to kind of put you on the spot. Oh, dear. Um, to wrap up the show. Uh-huh. If you were to tell anybody what. Your life. and and some advice Mm -hmm. on what somebody, how somebody should have an outlook on, uh, on on tomorrow. Mm -hmm. What would you tell them?
1: I think I'd tell them to, to take time in the morning, um, say a little prayer and, and just enjoy life. Look at things. Think of how you affect other people. I think what you do in your own actions and how that's going to affect someone else. And, and take it to heart learn from that learn from that and make a difference in someone's day every day
0: well thank you so much <laughs> i appreciate you taking the time to be here today and those of you all <laughs> out there uh thank you for joining us i hope you got something today i did uh, this was an awesome show uh but remember every day is a second chance so don't skip that today Think about what you're gonna to do to make a difference in somebody's life or in your life. And tomorrow is another time, so every single chance you get, let's do something right, our world needs it. God bless y'all, thanks for joining me.